You're listening to KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks, and this is Speaking of Anthropology. My name is Kevin. And my name is Dylan. And today, on a uh, very special day uh, in the here in Alaska and in the country, we are doing a little bit of a different episode. It, again, is playing, you know here on KSUA on Saturday, but we're actually doing it pre-recorded by a few hours. Uh, but for one very specific reason. And so just Kevin, we quick, if you could explain to the listeners why you have decided to uh, strip them of getting to hear us live. Live show. A live show indeed. Well, truthfully, if you told, first of all, uh, to all the Alaskans listening and living out there, be safe. Um, there's a lot of snow and, you know, you know, just take it easy when you pull out of the driveway or when you're digging out the snow, uh, prepare for an extra workout per se. Um, other than that, you need the opportunity to go cross country skiing. Yeah, of course, man, I'm going to go try it out. So with this heavy, beautiful snow. So, um, to the Alaskans listening, go ahead and enjoy the snow, uh, make some, do a snowball fight or make snowflakes or angel, angel snowflakes or something like that. Just go out there and have some fun. Are you thinking of snow angels? Snow angels. That's the word. (laughs) You got there. You got there. You got there. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a fantastic day. And I think, um, what's what's interesting about uh why we move this show up also was because you know daylight savings time occurred not too long ago so just remember that everyone it's turn your clock backwards or ahead oh man you it fall back you. fall back you fall back remember so yeah you, it's in spring you spring forward and in fall you fall back you get you get an hour of your life uh and so might as well bring speaking of anthropology an hour or a few hours. <laughs> this is our version of uh, uh, speaking um, of anthropology savings time uh, show here today. How's that sound, Dylan? I don't think that that's the endorsement <laughs> that you think it is, considering that a lot of people uh, view daylight savings as unnecessary and a real pain, right? And that's why... Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, both in some states and even at counties here in the U.S., um, it's not really a thing. Or, you know, you also have movements um, like in the EU, they want to uh, halt that whole practice entirely. Right. Um, although I believe I saw an article a couple weeks ago that um, was talking about how it looks like the implementation or I guess maybe disimplementation of that uh, has been held up thanks to the pandemic right so there we go another one of those long tail knock-on effects of the pandemic um you know we've been asking about what those would be on this show since march right near enough and it uh is another one expected one right but uh yeah i will say too for the record i didn't realize how much i would miss snow until i got down to a state that doesn't at least where i'm at snow so much in winter so I uh, hope you enjoy yourself, Kevin. But uh, how are you doing? How are classes going for you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And don't, yeah. Uh, well, the snow misses you as well, man. No worries. <laughs> it will follow you down to Washington. I, I promise you. I promise you. Uh, <laughs> at some point. Right? Um, no, everything is going well. Um, definitely the semester is flying by. There's a lot going on, I think, especially since we've hit November now. We're kind of hitting a groove um, in terms of understanding how we should practice um, daily life during this COVID pandemic. Um, but likewise, I think we're also easing into, uh, you know, how schooling works with everything being online. It is a bit of a routine now, but at the same time, behaviorally, I think we're all still adjusting uh, and finding ways to to, e- to wiggle out of, um, you know, this, this monotonous everyday usage of computers. Um, so, I, you know, honestly, as you mentioned, Dylan, I think it's a, it's a work in progress. Um, some of the courses that I'm taking are just either they're getting very, very interesting or I'm just getting really bored sitting in my room reading and writing and, and 
seeing the beautiful snowfall outside, but I think it's a mixture of both. Um, you know, this, this experience of doing classes online. Uh, and I think we've talked about it throughout the show. And I think this is kind of the staple for the season of speaking of anthropology, at least, um, you know, we, we were trying to find ways to adapt. And, you know, when we speak to different students as well, they, re they recognize the same feelings um, of what being a student truly is, right? So, um, you know, it's, it's just, just, just a truly a work in progress. But, um, you know, we should talk more about classes too, Dylan. I'm sorry, I went on kind of a, a personal dialogue uh, of what the semester has been so far. But how about you, Dylan? How's the semester been for you so far? Oh, it's going so far, you know, it's, uh, I had my first proper um, in-class presentation online because uh, so far all of my classes only require one and they're all towards the end of the semester. So I had that and I will say, you know, and I'm sure a lot of um, a lot of our listeners, uh, both students and faculty have experienced this right how different it is to give like a presentation um over zoom or over you know through virtual uh conferencing software than it is in person right and uh even with things like screen share right you know going through the a powerpoint and stuff luckily i didn't have one for this one uh but you know it, it it's very different because if you take like a communications class, right? Like um, for sure, for my calendar year, everyone who was getting a arts degree had to take at least one comm class, right? I think for sciences, it also holds true at UAF. I could be wrong about that one though, but uh, you know, they teach you how to like give a good speech, right? And so, you know, all these things about making sure that you are connecting with your audience, right? Making eye contact continuously, you know, moving, looking back and forth with the audience and stuff. And, you know, all these, these things, right? But like, it, those are a lot harder to do when you're not in the same room as someone, right? And so even though the changes aren't necessarily bad, there definitely are changes that you have to keep in mind and differences um, and what what giving a good presentation looks like um, online to me seems like it's going to be a bit of a different creature than what a good in-person presentation looks like. And that's something I think we're all going to just keep getting more practice at because, uh, you know, I got the email. Um, I'm pretty sure they had announced it sooner, at least to recall hearing that they were looking that way um, a couple weeks ago. But the uh, Alaska Anthropological Association, right, their next conference, um, you know, in March, I believe, of 2021, that's all going to be online, right? So they're doing a virtual conference and stuff. And so, you know, we're going to, folks are going to get to see, get to practice what it's like to give academic conference presentations online and of course they're also trying to um still do like the posters and stuff right and so like you know all these virtual presentations that are uh we're all still unaccustomed to i think or a lot of us are still unaccustomed to but that uh before everything's said and done we'll all be a lot more familiar with so all good things take time, correct, Dylan? Uh, most of them <laughs> tend to, yeah. Uh, well, and you know, again, like this is something that, um, you know, it, it, if you didn't already have the skill set for it, right? At least I haven't, I hadn't encountered really any courses or anything that was trying to teach it, right? Like again, when I took, um communications at uif it was about in-person speech and stuff and that that because that's that's the generally assumed default for most folks right and now whether that ought to be the case or not especially um with the technologies that we have available to us now is another question but it certainly was and now it at least for the moment it definitely isn't so it it changes what constitutes uh 
good practice maybe a little bit yeah i you know maybe dylan i can i don't want to delve too far into this but i also feel like it'd be a really interesting topic we can chat about you know when we when we talk about doing um a speaking of anthropology radio show or uh, nonetheless a a conversation a dialogue uh how to give a speech i think a lot of folks generally feel like giving a speech or giving um uh, a presentation relies upon your charisma your your confidence but it almost seems like at the end of the day it is really just you um i think a lot of our conversations revolve around our personal lives so you know i remember so you you likewise took communications course i did too here i think uh because our our uh, calendar years required it um, and i think they still do uh, which is, I think it's important. I think a lot of people uh, often sometimes forego it and think, oh, I can speak, I can, I can do it. But then, you know, you go into the actual course and you, you realize there are actually uh, a numerous number of things that we need to, to work on. And such things could be, you know, when you're standing up, the posture, the people, like you just mentioned, the people you're looking at, the way you project your voice or, the pace of your conversation. You know, uh, if I start talking a little bit too fast and it gets a little bit hard to comprehend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so these different things, I think, make it kind of interesting. But I also wonder for me is, um, and this is something we can chat more in depth about, but, you know, with everything being a, um, a blank, uh, essentially, I want to say it's a blank screen because we're talking into a screen. Uh, I think. I remember reading about this once, but essentially, you know, those who talk into a computer from an anthropological perspective are talking into a void. Essentially, we're talking into a void. We're not talking to each other face to face and a void that then sends this information of us talking to somebody else. Um, but this perception that we are talking to a camera and not to a person. And when we talk to this camera, we essentially are pro- providing expressions and behaviors and thoughts. Uh, and it's, it, to me, it's interesting because it's now become a, a daily habit. And now I think a lot with uh, modern social media, the social media movements around the selfie, taking a photo or um, you know, going live and recording yourself in a video. Uh, nonetheless, I mean, a podcast or an audio podcast is different. Um, well, but but it's very similar still because we're talking into a microphone that will be transmitted out through waves. Um, that I think it's 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 interesting. Uh, and of course, once again, I'm monologuing. And, and I feel like I'm talking to myself at some points, um, not to say Dylan's not listening or, or, or here on the other side, but I think it's that feeling of at some point you're just talking to yourself. Um, um, so maybe to, to bring it back to the points around communications, I think, of course, uh, when, we, when we are practicing speeches or when we're preparing, I think personally, my best advice to those is still pre- present like you're there in the room with everyone, but at the same time, be cognizant of how you're presenting yourself. Um, I'm not saying this is the way you dress in front of the camera in, or in front of, or how your voice sounds, um, but I think it may require a bit of work in terms of how you can make uh, a presentation more suitable uh, for, for, for an online uh, presentation per se, right? Something like that, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, it definitely, it's a mix, right? Because, you know, there's certain things again, right? Like you can't, it's really hard to do like the eye contact stuff, especially because the equivalent would be to just stare into you like your camera, right? But that, especially when you're um, also, say, for example, you are doing your screenshot your powerpoint or something then that gets like awkward because you're just kind of like flicking like up and down like continuously right um not even to mention the fact that generally it seems it's staring directly into your camera while you're on a video call like that is a bit of a faux pas uh but then again like what you're talking about some of the other stuff right like in a both an in-person online presentation generally it would be I think considered sound advice to not just be reading your notes the entire time. 
if uh i mean obviously that's a functional and i've certainly done that before in presentations so you know no value judgment on that but just the general advice for giving like a a good strong presentation is that you're not just reading your notes right uh but on the other hand you have the fact that you can have your notes up on your screen at the same time as you're in the video call so now there's also that a little more seamlessness right whereas like if you're giving an in-person speech and you you know you'll look down and then you look back up right you glance down your notes and look back up and those kind of interruptions of speech but those uh can exist in different ways but not necessarily in that they don't have to exist in that exact way um, with the video conferencing. So yeah, it definitely there. It's not radically different, but there are, you know, n differences one can note. And, you know, again, these are things that you can look into, right? Like why, why are these things considered acceptable or unacceptable? And how do they differ? Because of course, also the way that we give speeches um, in the US or even, you know, more broadly and across, you know, you like your American societies isn't necessarily going to be the definitive cross-cultural way of giving a speech either. Right. Uh, so, and I wonder about adaptations of other types of speech giving, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I think you bring up a good point around adaptation. Uh, I, I just was sitting here listening to what you were mentioning and wondered, Man, what would happen when we are um, returning back to the classrooms in person? Are we, it's how are we going to adjust to actually speaking in front of a crowd or socially interacting with somebody sitting next to you again, which I, I think we will get to that point. Um, not sure when uh, with the current state of the world, but you know, we will, but then at that point, what would it be like again? And how will it feel to, to interact with somebody again? I don't know if I've ever thought about that yet recently. Um, I think it's something that we take for granted, at least these days. Um, you know, there's a lot of conversation, I think, around those that say, you know, hey, you can just roll out of bed and you're there in your class. And then you roll back and you go back to bed. Uh, and this 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 uh, this way of living um, is quite interesting to me. But I think at the same time, yeah, I wonder, and I'm sure, Dylan, you probably wonder this as well. But how are we going <laughs> to find our ways back into this uh, habit and this this uh this, ex this experience of speaking to somebody or speaking to a crowd um something that we haven't done in a while right uh you know i i also wonder these days and i, I think it's a norm now i've seen i've attended seminars and lectures and uh you know public speech speeches where folks are essentially talking on zoom um but uh you know there's too many, your computer, your monitor can only fit so many people on the screen, um, you know? And so you, you, as the speaker, you also need to see your presentation. So you're technically, when you're watching a presentation, not seeing the individual, but only seeing the presentation, right? And so then also, you know, I think it's changed with the chat function. You know, there used to be a Q&A period for folks, which there still is, but people aren't as responsive now and people are more direct in saying, uh, essentially, they can put in a question midway through a uh, speech. And so and I think it also changes the ways in which we communicate uh, our questions, the, communicate our thoughts. I've also attended certain seminars where they even had polls uh, in between uh, or during the lecture. You know, they have polls where they ask a question that potentially the, the speaker is giving, but then at the same time, they show the live results of what all the people are thinking. And I think this polling method is also very interesting anthropologically. I think it gives us <laughs> tangible data like that rather than having to do observation and then ethnography and uh, countless numbers of hours. Instead, it's instantaneous, which to as an anthropologist, it's very, very uh, satisfying. Man, you can see the data right there in front of you. Um, so I think there are pros and cons to, to the ways in which... Uh, you know, speak, speaks, speeches, sorry, speaks, uh, speeches, uh, speaking of, uh, you know, takes place these days, but, uh, you know, it, it takes various forms and I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm also nervous, I guess, for how 
we're going to come out of uh, our our Zoom shells <laughs> and enter back into yeah. the speaking world. But, well, we're certainly not in a non-speaking world, right? That's one of the one of the things I find very fascinating um, about Zoom, right? Is is that despite it being video conferencing, I feel like uh, in a lot of ways it's the audio that dominates, right? Because ultimately the backgrounds are static and while a lot of communication does happen with uh you know human facial expressions and stuff there's also plenty of zoom calls where people aren't showing their faces right where they have their video cameras off and so i think that sound is is uh in speaking especially incredibly um dominant in uh video calls but yeah, I don't how that is going to go for folks. I find very interesting. And I, I'm also curious because I've seen a couple anecdotal comments here or there over the past few months from folks where they feel like um, their social skills have got a little more rusty, right? Their in-person socializing skills are where they were before the pandemic, right? And so I'm very curious if that is a uh, general phenomenon, a widespread phenomenon, or just a phenomenon shared by, you know, folks at all, right? And curious to see how that goes and what the transition is going to look like for people who do feel like that they have maybe fallen off a little bit on their ability to socialize in person. But on the other thing that you brought up with the polls right and it's like well i know what you're talking about too and it's like well yeah you know polling is, is is nice and all and survey data is nice and all but it's not it's not really enough in anthropology right and that's i think that's one of the important um you know aspects of how we do things methodologically right is is that you can't just uh we're not we can't just ask people to self-report what they're doing and what they're thinking and then consider that to be the um complete understanding of everything right because that certainly is a understanding of things but it is not although you know there's the other side of that which is there's never going to be a complete understanding of anything that's just going to be you know understandings of things but you know that's a little more theoretical <laughs> The understandings of the understandings. No, I <laughs> I think, Dylan, you, you bring up a good point. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think, yes, folks will, with with the pollings and all that, I think it's also just, um, I think they're still testing ground and testing waters. It's a new method that potentially, you know, I, you know, I, I wonder, and I, I think we've had conversations with Sherry in previous episodes when we chatted about your research and your um, your current experience, uh, you know, with conducting research and ethnography. Um, you know, I, I bring up a point, I think, earlier that I mentioned around and how one should be a, a good speaker through the ways in which they behave and I think readjusting the acclimation. I even wonder um, if, you know, once we return, if it'll be the job of, um, you know, psychologists, sociologists, uh, anthropologists once more to be um, saviors <laughs> for, for, for society. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, but, you know, for us to, to bring about um, this reacclimation <laughs> to society, I, I wonder that because I think a lot of the behavior practices that we, we do on a day-to-day, -day, I think right now, especially with, you know, Zoom courses or Zoom online, you know, meetings, you finish your meeting and then you're done you're back home again you know i think that experience of going somewhere geographically and changing your landscape and then actually putting the effort into you know um, saying things and speaking professionally or in a different tone whereas being at home of course you're in a very relaxed state or maybe you're you're in a business state at home that's okay too um you know it, that finding that balance is is, is important um and i think as an a sociologist, anthropologist, psychologist, uh, you know, um, you, you begin to wonder, and for me, is what behaviors can we bring back and what behaviors can we not? Um, and 
in this reacclimation into the ways in which we interact in society at large, um, the, the conversations that we have, I think now have been a lot around unification and um, how we feel the same in this, this current mental health state that we are in. Um, but also uh, when we return, then will we all return back to our normal lives and essentially do everything that we used to do, or are we all going to stick to this pattern? You know, these, these are, I think, overarching questions, but I think Dylan has some, some thoughts that he'd like to share with us. <laughs> well, it would be very strange radio show if one of us didn't have thoughts, right? Uh, it's very hard to have a conversation with when you're just sitting there like a bump on a log. But no, I mean, first of all, first of all, Kevin, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't want to knock all of your ideas, but I will say that I, I do not believe in in anthropology or psychology or sociology. But as an anthropologist, I will say quite clearly in anthropology that it is a or can serve as any kind of savior for society. Uh, but we can certainly do research on these things and we can certainly propose ideas and about them and solutions to problems that we find. And yeah, that question of of how our habits are going to shift again, right? I mean, I it would be very surprising to me if we kept on the way that we are currently doing things habit-wise after the pandemic, but it would be equally surprising if we shifted completely back to the way that we were pre-pandemic, right? Like there is, it's like, you know, the old myth of Pandora's box, right? Like you don't, you can't just put everything back in the box. Although I think originally it was actually like supposed to be a vase or something, but uh, you know, you can't, you can't put everything back, right? Like the, the pandemic has happened. The world has shifted. Um, and people's habits have shifted and you know when they start to shift again it's gonna be um those shifts those responses both conscious and unconscious and culturally are all going to be informed by um both sides of what has gone before both pre-pandemic and then our experiences during the pandemic right but what that's going to look like specifically you know it i i'm very curious about and i think that that is something that a lot of anthropologists are going to be watching for right uh you know this is everything that's gone on of course has provided a lot of um a lot of research questions and a lot of research interests for a variety of scientists uh obviously you know epidemiologists and uh anthropologists psychologists sociologists right all sorts of folks have been working on all sorts of pandemic related questions, you know, and I think that that transition uh, back to a non pandemic way of life is only going to provide more. Yeah, I think within the realm of medical research and within the realm of social science research and, and STEM engineering uh, biology, uh, you know, um, even mathematics and, and, and I think literature, I think we, the amount of uh, data and, and information that will come out of what we are living through currently, I think will be phenomenal, but at the same time, you know, we will uh, need to, to synthesize it. And, you know, yeah, you're right, Dylan. I think as an anthropologist, we have a bias towards saying, hey, we're going to be able to conduct all the research in the world and, and, change the world um, and of course that's hopeful optimistic thinking but i think at the same time that savior aspect i think is is important i think we uh we deserve to 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 feel optimistic about uh, how the world will be um you know in these times uh, but at the same time uh you know uh, hope that we can uh find ways to adapt um but yeah no, i i think yeah that that, that brings up numerous thoughts of, of where we're, we're headed and where we're going. Um, you know, I, I can think back to that uh, first time I, I chatted with you, I think about creating this show, uh, the origin stories of creating the show and, 
that similar feeling of, 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 of passion and excitement of, Hey, Dylan, why don't we just talk and just create a conversation um, where we can chat with folks, but also chat with ourselves and think about some of these thoughts that we're all having, hopefully, or if not, if your thought isn't being heard, uh, you know, let us know. Uh, but you know, this, 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 um, this conversation, uh, anthropologically speaking, but also uh, at large on, on what we're living through as students and as uh, academics, as scholars, as teachers, as uh, people of this world um, in many ways. Uh, I wonder often, and I, I recall when the first time I brought it up to Dylan, Dylan was like, a conversation? Yeah, let's let's do it. But what does that mean? You know, and, and, and uh, I myself did not know. Um, and I think a lot of these days, the conversations that we have on Zoom and then the conversations we actually have in person with our peers and colleagues also change. Um, and I hope that it, we, you know, we find a good balance. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's likewise, I think with a lot of my courses that I'm taking now, the, uh, the discussions that we have both in class, uh, but then also in an online platform such as Blackboard or discussion boards changes. Um, you know, we are much more, uh, I think we're eloquent both in our speaking, but we're also uh, way more prepared, I think, in our writings, in our discussions, uh, because we spend a lot more time researching and thinking and, and then essentially writing out a, a response. And so I then also begin to wonder the the, the balance between those. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, I only hope for the best. But, uh, you know, on a, on a side note, I think we started out the show um, discussing how a wonderful day it is. And I think it's really just because it's Saturday and it's another episode of Speaking of Anthropology here on KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks. Um, but truthfully, it's also uh, the day that the elections were uh, decided. Um, generally, we chat a little bit. We try to chat more anthropologically speaking about what's going on in the world. Um, and, you know, I think Maybe this might be one of our new segments, Dylan, uh, current events, <laughs> anthropologically. Um, and I think a lot of anthropologists uh, and a lot of colleagues of ours um, probably woke up today and heard the news of the presidential uh, election being decided. Um, generally, <laughs> I think the, you know, we we're moving towards uh, a new day and a new era, but also a, a change from what we were living through. Um uh, I think with the pandemic um, currently in place, this this uh, decision of a president um, also gives us hope, I think, and, and a new start or whichever you'd say. Um, the decisions by, you know, the masses is, is, is nice. Um, but I think, you know, uh, when I think of politics and I, I just want to talk about politics in general here and, and, and try to, to show it, but I think when we talk about it, I think we, we think a lot about uh, I think of a lot about it's conversations we have with others um, and then the thoughts and the, the concerns that we have um, in the realm of political anthropology, per se, one would one could say it's uh, the ways in which we behave uh, when we when we try to uh, per persuade the other side or the others or the other people um, what our thoughts are. Um, and this persuasion may come in the form of voting. Uh, this persuasion may come in the form of uh, uh, running for a political leader position or leading your country or leading your nation or leading your county, your borough, your, 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 um, your area. And so uh, anyways, I, I'm going on a, a, once again, a monologue on politics. Um, and I know Dillard has definitely some thoughts on this, but um, you know, it's just for me, uh, wonderful to, to always hear that our nation and our people and everyone in the world uh, you know, gets uh, a new fresh start, uh, a new leadership and, and, and a new movement, right? So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, uh, folks who know me know I'm always willing to talk politics, but there are certain things that uh, I think are best left in person discussions. But I will say, you know, kind of a mix of what we were talking about previously and then the, you know, the political happenings that are going on now, right, is um, I was watching the BBC uh, earlier this morning, right after they had called it. And one of the things they're talking about was like, well, what is, what's the inauguration going to look like? Right. Because obviously traditionally <laughs> that is a massive 
in-person gathering right and uh that's not really uh good for public health in the middle of a pandemic right so what is you know what could a uh pandemic time inauguration look like and uh i don't know quite how that's gonna go yet i'm sure that um uh the president-elect's uh campaign is already you know they have already have all kinds of ideas about that but i'm very curious to see you know what one of the, you know one of the biggest um stages essentially in american politics right is the is the inaugural address right that is that is where the president uh sets out their new agenda right and that's that's sort of like the um the celebration of a, of a new um inauguration new presidency and so that it, it is it is important in the world of american politics uh so how that's going to occur um what that's going to look like what kind of celebrations are going to be taking place you know maybe there's going to be probably i'm sure a lot of virtual celebrations um just in general from people but yeah so that's definitely something i'm curious to see about but it, it also just has been really interesting to watch an entire election unfold, you know, under essentially under um, the restrictions and the problems and with the situations created by COVID-19. Right. And it's, uh, you know, I I haven't been around for too many presidential elections. Really, the first one I can remember was the 2007 one. Right. But uh you know, it, it, it's certainly it, I think it's going to be one of the more unusual ones to that we're going to see through our lifetimes just because of of the circumstances, right, of uh, the pandemic and how that did change. You know, we did see um, shifts in traditional campaign strategies, right? In some areas, they were uh, campaigns are no longer doing door knocking right and in person voter canvassing but also you know and trying to pivot towards phone banking or trying to figure out how you can do in-person canvassing in a way that's not going to spread the disease right and then of course um how the entire process of voting was conducted right i think it was something like about over 100 i think around like 102 million americans voted prior to election day right and like in my personal experience, um, you know, I got a uh, Washington uh, state ID down here and I registered and it took them like five days in total, one of them a Sunday to send me my ballot after I'd registered to vote here. Right. Like and then you just fill it out, you sign, you know, and then you send it off again. Right. And so like very different um you know, from the, from when you, from going in, right, to a physical polling place, right, and I think I'm very curious, um, I'd like to learn more about, uh, you know, what people's patterns of behavior are when they're voting like that, right, because I'll tell you, it's a little more relaxed to be filling out a ballot at your kitchen table than it is to be doing it in a, um, voting booth you know with the with the whole queue behind you and all that right and um you know trying to get uh in and out and not uh you know spend like an hour like pontificating about it or whatever right uh especially i wouldn't want to do that in a pandemic right uh so i'm very very curious um how that changes uh voter behavior in that respect too right um so I don't know. I feel like with this episode, I just have a lot of questions, not so many answers, but I sure do have a lot of questions because we do live, you know, in, in very interesting times. Right. Yeah. Questions that I think Dylan, you definitely should have and definitely need to have. Um, I think, yeah, I, you know, when we consider a lot of the, the voting practices, um, you know, and I, I, this is just speaking off of general media or survey and general media understanding. Um, but, you know, you, you see folks who the experiences they had of voting this time around to be generally different. 
compared to how it was uh, you know, four years ago, or you know, um, you know the ways in which people are lining up socially distanced and waiting patiently uh, to vote um, is not you know is, is is the same that we usually do. Or how about mail-in ballots? You know, and and then also I think with um, a lot of the new perspectives, um, a lot of the media, you know, and I know, uh, you know there's then you know, social media also trying to clarify a lot of these um, potentially wrong points or false facts, um, fact checking. I think these things also um, compound upon that. I've, I've heard, um, and there's some folks, I think this is just one perspective, but I think I've heard some folks who've mentioned, you know, during this time of voting and during this time of, of deciding, you know, your future leaders, um, that we should maybe like kick back and relax a little bit on uh, constantly being so um, induced in this media, you know, likewise, you know, I know when we've been since the election day on Tuesday of November 3rd uh, up till now uh, today, Saturday, before we finally had a, a decision being made, um, you know, the, the waiting period was definitely not easy for a lot of folks, I think in, in, in terms of, you know, the anticipation for what the future holds. Um, but at the same time, also uh, a lot of anxiety. And so a lot of folks are saying, hey, you know, stay off of the news or, you know, you know, uh, generally avoid a lot of uh, articles or, you know, too much information because it can get a bit messy. That's the truth. Um, sometimes when you're just overwhelmed with the news and information and data, I especially feel, I think, not, not to say, and I, I think I have, conversations with my parents and with uh, folks um, that are generally, uh, you know, from a, a different time, era <laughs> who, who chat with me about this. And they say, you know, they grew up, you know, reading and, and getting news through the radio right, and hearing the highlights of the day and or whatever the family members of uh, another family member heard, um, you know, uh, the rumor has it sort of situation. Um, but nowadays it's, it's more direct, you know, with, with internet, the internet, we're able to, to hear and find out immediately uh, what is going on and where and why and how, and uh, it, it makes it both uh, helpful, but I think uh, sometimes we need to find this, this middle ground, this, this uh, mediating point of where we aren't too inundated with, with media, um, where we lose our own self values and self-conscious uh you know because it does get a bit overwhelming i think and i think it's a reminder to folks to, to you know find find what's right for you um and, and work through it i mean it, it it's definitely not easy um you know and as you know as i think as an academic uh learning and reading and writing and understanding and having conversations I begin to realize that everyone has their own thoughts and exposure to different experiences and those experiences provide for them uh, different understandings. And that different understanding is something that we need to be open and accepting of, uh, you know, that there's that um, term ethnocentric, um, you know, that anthropologists avoid as much as possible. And I think that is the exact thing that I'm trying to talk about here in which we as people, as, as anthropologists should try to take uh, an open view um, and, and not be biased towards our, our thoughts, but as best as we can, but also at the same time, try our, our best to, 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 to think about it. Right. And so, yeah, those are some thoughts that I want to dovetail off of what Dylan, you just mentioned. Um, but also uh, once again, I, it's just, the way that I think of how we should interact with, with media and what, what's happening. Yeah, it definitely is a tricky balance to strike, right? Because on the one hand, um, it can be very, um, it, you know, it can have poor uh, effects on your mental health or whatnot, right? It can be very anxiety inducing or whatnot, but it also with, specific things like a presidential election right like that is undeniably very important right and so i think it is also you know healthy and good um for folks to try and stay 
you know, informed on on how that's progressing and what is happening. But again, right, you also you have to find the right balance of um, staying informed with what is going on in your country and in the world, but also not uh, not uh, doing uh, things that are damaging to your own health, right? Because you know that's not that's not a, a worthy trade-off, right? Uh, you know, to be uh, refreshing, you know, news outlets or whatnot into the wee hours of the morning, right? So you don't get any sleep and you can't function, and then you get more stressed out. And it's just it's a it's a vicious uh, bad cycle to get stuck in. But it also is. is you know, at least for me personally, right, it, it's um, not a difficult trap to fall into, right? It, it, you got to be, you got to work at not doing that at times, right? And especially when it is, it is something that is important, right? You know, the, this has been a very contentious election, but I think, you know, the majority of Americans would agree that this was a very important election, right? And that's why we also saw, you know, record turnout right the highest turnout since 1900 right uh you know so it's it is a um a tricky thing to try and balance uh but a very important one you know your own health is as important as uh, anything else in the world and more important than a fair amount of things so but yeah it it, it it has certainly been an interesting um, year to watch as as um, anthropologists and for social scientists and scientists in general. And it's, you know, it's not over yet, right? Since I've been already coming up with all kinds of questions, you know, let's pose a few more, right? We've still got, you know, essentially, depending on how you want to look at Halloween, but you, essentially we've got holiday season, right? We're either in it or it's coming up with Thanksgiving, right? And so you have... Um, Thanksgiving, you have Christmas, you have New Year's. I believe traditionally it's either the 23rd or the 24th of December is the busiest travel day um, in the U.S. annually, right? That's the most flights are occurring there, at least, and that kind of stuff, right? And so you have days where traditionally you see a lot of folks moving, folks coming together, folks celebrating, right? Um, You know, but it doesn't look like the pandemic is going to be over by Christmas, right? So, you know, now we're faced with the questions, um, you know, what what these kinds of holidays are going to look like, right? And again, this is, you know, something that is a social scientist, we can try and keep an eye on, you know, of, of um, both how people are practicing them, but what people are thinking about and talking about with this kind of stuff, right, too, you know, because these are culturally very, very significant um, customs and holidays, right, you know, and so it is, it's been quite a year of big events, right, but, uh, you know, and I mean, these are, these are generally, you know, positive ones, right, I think that Christmas, Thanksgiving, um, you know, they're, at least the general idea of getting together with your family and enjoying oneself is is um, mostly regarded as positive. So, although I guess maybe if you really don't like your family. Um. <laughs> well, I think, you know, <laughs> if you don't have an opportunity to get together with your family, um, you know, as I, you know, I think, uh, you know, for, for an example, I'm in college. And so mm-hmm. I, I made the decision to, to be away from my family, but at the same time, you know, have my thoughts towards them. Um, always thinking about what it, it's like to be with them. But also, I think <laughs> part of it's like, you know, wherever you are, wherever you're, whatever you're doing, um, you know, you have people by your side, um, you have, you know, uh, you know, you have people who can support you and, and, you know, you can enjoy life in many ways still um you know one of it could be listening to here our speaking of anthropology show here on ksua 91.5 fm fairbanks um you know we do this show to bring to everyone joy i hope dylan Mm. (laughs) and to, to bring to everyone uh a new beginning of their saturday uh mornings um 
or sorry, afternoons. I apologize. Yeah. One o'clock in the afternoon. It's morning for most folks. I think when we wake up nice and nice and lazy and happy on a Saturday, on um, a Saturday. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, you know, to me, I think, you know, what makes me the most happiest during this time of year, other than fine finalizing and almost finishing all of my assignments, because there's so much to do these days, but uh it truly is just um, a celebration that you made it through a year. Um, you know, it's a blink of an eye. You know, I remember it was January, not too long ago. Um, I remember it was 2019, not too long ago. And yet here we are in November. Um, it's been 10 months. It's been quite a roller coaster of a ride through the years. Um, I know, you know, as the weeks go on, you know, the following weeks, uh, we'll bring to everyone uh, speaking of anthropology through the seasons as much as we can and celebrate along with you life um, and bring to you this wonderful conversation that we have about anthropology, uh, I guess today about current events, and as usual about our reflections on what is happening uh, with Zoom and this online world that we live in these days. So anyways, Dylan, I hope I covered all of that. Was that <laughs> does that sound good to you? Uh, yeah, you know, and I, I do, I really, I do feel that right with the, uh, yeah, celebrating the end of a year. It, it does feel like it's, it's, it's weird because this year has felt so long and yet so short at the same time. Right. But that's, uh, I guess, you know, it's been an action packed year. Yeah. And of course, you know, we've been fortunate enough, uh, to get the opportunity to keep doing the show, to keep talking about, um, you know, what's been going on. Right. Uh, here on Speaking of Anthropology, KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks. So yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a time, and we've still got you know a little bit longer to go, but uh, in the year. But uh, as we start to wind it down, looking forward to seeing what uh 2021 is going to hold. You know, start speculating about that too. Speculation, speculation. <laughs> To everyone, all the listeners, we'd like to thank you for tuning in. Uh, check us out online as usual at our website, uh, Speaking of Anthropology um, website with our podcast. We try to upload them as much as we can. Um, and we'd like to just thank you for tuning in. And as usual, KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks has a plethora of shows, uh, but we also are here every Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. Uh, check us out. Thank you.